the year 2007 AD, DarkCrazy.com launched the last of its eight dimensional probes. Theorizing that one could save the world with the teachings of pop culture, Dr. Sean, but Gilberto stepped into the TVA and the accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself in a dimension not of sight but of sound, existing in an imaginary non-space called the interwebs. His only guide on this journey is Greg, the gruff co-founder of the project, who appears in the form of a voice Sean can only sometimes hear. They are often accompanied by other travelers on the seas of fate, such as Hazel Lynn, Scary Gary, Tracy Luna, and others. I'm Ron, an experimental robot built by Sean to be his constant companion. We've been running ever since, leaping from life to life, pointing out things that once went wrong, in movies and TV, in this strange wild adventure inexplicably known as TV ate my dinner. Greg, what did you have to say about The Hobbit? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I've, uh, I was sort of in Andrew's camp when it came to what I believe uh, two and three are going to be uh, about. And uh, as far as, like, uh, how is going to end. I think I agree with Andrew that they're probably going to end up in Merkwood. They probably won't make it all the way to Smog. Hmm. No, that's not true. I it's just don't see Smog where the title it. comes into play if that's not no, the, the movie's, case. No, the like, movie's about Smog. It has to be. It's called The Desolation of Smog. The third movie's going to be The Necromancer. The third movie's going to be about The Necromancer. That's what I feel. That is what I feel. Unequivocally. They may make it right up to Smog, but they're not going to kill Smog. I don't see where you have an ending for the first movie, and I don't see where your third act has Smog in it, because... You can't end with Smaug in the third act because you end with the Battle of Five Armies. Whereas you can end the yeah. second act with Smaug. And then you can sort of bring in the Necromancer a bit, like, like Lynn was saying. They could just do what they did in Lord of the Rings and have Smaug killed off screen somewhere between the two movies. <laughs> yeah, you get to the extended feel, cut to find they, out what they, happened to Smaug. I feel like if they, if they kill Smaug at the end of the, the second movie, it's going to kill their ticket sales for three. I don't know they kill the it ticket might, sales for three, sure but I think three do. won't be as good without the dragon. But then I think. Well, as I was going to say, that it's like, this, the people will think, well, wouldn't They'll this, work up some wizardy shit with the dragon Sauron and they, and for the third them. one, is what they'll do. Is like, well, we're going to really I pump. I think they have to at that's least. Gonna be yeah. the one, that is going to be the one that's pretty much a Lord of the Rings movie. I, that's my I think prediction. It's be, that the I think it's going to be a bit of a rework. They're going to they're going yeah. to go to Merkwood. They're going to deal with the necromancer and probably square off with Smile. But they won't kill Smile using... until the beginning of the third movie. I, I don't get that. They have to I, at least, I, I they have to at least be statement. around Smile at some point during the movie. This Otherwise, is fun because we'll see. You know what I mean? This is fun because we can come we'll back see. to this. I like it when we make predictions. Because I'm always wrong. <laughs> I like wrong. listening to the old episodes when you guys are like. What's next? I love the episode where Sean, where you're talking about they're remaking Last House on Your Left, and you and you say, "What's next? I spit on your grave." Yeah, they and did. That literally, yeah, was course. the next one. I'm they sure did. Yeah, of course. But I'm not done. Next done talking about Hobbit yet. Okay, I, I saw the 48. Hobbit. I saw the 48 French. Did you? Too. I must not have seen that because yeah. I think I noticed. I think I would have not liked it either. Was it scary? I, like I saw penguins? it twice. I saw. What's that? Was it scary like penguins? 
scary like penguins uh no it it was it was very much like a theme park ride like what uh, uh andrew said and I, I saw the regular 2d 24 frame per second version first and then I saw the 48 frames per second in 3D. Ah, so you had to vers- you had to and, a chance uh, to actually watch the movie as a movie first. So and then- well, I wanted yeah. to, I wanted to you get the, the story better in, yeah, cause, first because Andrew yeah, tried and to the, get the the bang for his buck and got screwed. So the second time I, I saw it was really totally scientific. I wasn't real concerned about the story as much as I was just watching the visuals. And um, I I think there is something to be said about lighting, uh, like yeah. for 48 frames per second. It um, I mean, I'm no expert when it comes to shooting on film and stuff like that, but I know a lot of times you really have to light the hell out of something to see the detail. And I think they do that. And when you bump it up to 48 frames per second, it just blows everything out. It makes everything yeah. super bright. And um, so I think that was an issue. And plus, CG, I mean... I mean, yeah, CG looks incredible at 48 frames per second, but it doesn't look real. Well, that's sort of my problem I mean, with looks, CG in general. I don't think CG ever looks real, no matter how awesome it looks. Like it can look because, awesome. It, it looks like you know. It looks like you know. You're looking at a dwarf, and and that dwarf looks like a real person sitting there in front of you, and then you've got this creature here next to it that obviously is computer generated because you can see its muscles flexing. You can see every detail of it and it it you know it's almost like they're going to have to to rethink how they if they're going to continue to do it and i'm sure they will 48 frames per second they're going to have to to start really lighting think about lighting for that much resolution yeah. you know what it reminds well, it's me like of Sean said, when they started remember, with color they didn't know how to light it properly either when you started doing like video like professional production video you had a you had a nickname you remember what flipper. yeah they used to call you <laughs> yeah. flipper because because yeah. he liked like to flip the switch he'd like to put in like effects for i was like a kid in the like, candy like store and i would throw in effects for no good reason uh, you know i put in star tra- funky star yeah, star wipe, wipe. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, the, like a Homer on you know on the Simpsons Starlight, and I th- and uh, and I I would throw that stuff in, and and yeah, the the other guys who had been doing it for a while, you know, were making fun of me because I just wanted to throw in every imaginable effect. I think that's their problem now. It's like the technology is so they they can create stuff at such a high resolution, and they make it so clear and beautiful and brilliant. They're not trying to make it match up or work or look real. They're just showing off the the clarity. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you brought up from Star Wars to Jedi. Cause I've got that on videotape. You have to have it on videotape. It's not on DVD. I had to buy yeah, it on Amazon but, on videotape. But I've always wanted to send that clip to George Lucas about where he talks about how the story is more important than the visual effects. And, you know, to say, do you remember when you said this? It is funny <laughs> how I, he, he sort of succumbed to that. that and it, but what's funny is it's not the effects. It, it goes deeper with Lucas because it's not the effects that he's showing off it's the ability to manipulate any part of the film that he's gotten obsessed with it's like he's not trying to show off the special effects it's just now you've opened up this world of limitless possibility and he's this weirdo perfectionist it's like that's the worst thing you can do because at some point you you, know in the special in the special features of phantom menace there there's a scene where he's with ben burt the editor and uh and they're talking about you know taking a, a bit of this 
they have several different takes of the same scene and and they're talking about okay take a little bit of this scene this take combine it with into the frame with this other take and then combine it you know with this third part you know so you get this super take mm-hmm. and and to me that's just you know when you when you got somebody that honestly has no talent when it comes to to, to performance like lucas and you know as mm-hmm. far as like the 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 performance of the actors and that kind of stuff that's that's death well the problem is that <laughs> because, i think because nothing he can bleed used in. to he used to bring in people who could bring out a you know a performance like mm-hmm. uh, but i think that ability to and you you see it more and more you see it in smaller productions and you see it in larger productions and you see it more and more is people are not that worried we even said that about with P. Jackson in in fighting for scenes that go into the cut even it's like they know they're going to get a final say on the back end of everything so they don't care about the front end they don't try like it makes him sort of lazy in the filming because he's like I know that we can cut this together any way we want it's like yeah but if it's all crap you know you got to get something authentic in that in that first take you got to get something real yeah well, that's, you know, we've talked about that in the past about how, by and large, we hate director's cuts, or at least I do. Yeah, because I've gotten that way because I, I actually do think they get too much say these days because they know going in like that the they're going to get... I like the Lord of the Rings ones. I, I do too, but I, I do think that the the problem there is, like we were saying with Saruman, at some point, you're not fighting, and, the, and we see that now, especially with The Hobbit, it's like... Well, if we shot three hours worth of stuff, so we could make a three-hour movie. It's like that's not the reason to make a three-hour movie, because you have enough. Yeah, the footage. Hobbit didn't need three hours. Yeah, it Lord was, of the Rings it's a needed movie. three hours yeah. to tell the story it was trying to tell. Yeah, Hobbit the was Hobbit not boring. Doesn't. A lot of people acted like it's slow. I didn't find it be slow. I thought it was well paced, but it did not have to be that long. It, the, it could have kept the same pace and told the same story and been much shorter. Because you're not just speaking to me. Yeah. I can sit through a three-hour Hobbit movie and be fine. But you're speaking to a mainstream audience that's starting to wonder why they're watching a three-hour movie. But that's because they can. It's like, well, Kill Bill is really long. It's like, we'll make it two movies. It's like, Hobbit's running pretty long. Yeah. We'll make it three movies. It's like, you know you've got a sort of audience, so you're not really caring about what makes the best story. Well, see, I mean, yeah, from an from a executive standpoint, you know, the idea of making a third movie is is awesome because that's the third so no that's, that's three these and that's three years we have spoken for we had two yeah. years spoken for now we got three you know we're building out the schedule we I mean, want to have something that can especially anchor especially if it's largely footage that's already filmed if all they have to do is a little bit more pre post-production and they've got another yeah, film at this there, point all awesome. we're really doing is not cutting stuff that we would have cut you know that's like that to me is a dangerous decision I when they're like whether, we all have almost enough stuff to make three finished. movies like let's make three because if, if they were going to just going to do two movies, I reckon I, I reckon they would have done the thing where they just get to Mirkwood. And then I wonder where the, the cut would have also. been with two movies, because the two movies were ambiguously titled. The two movies would have been Unexpected Journey the and There and Back Again. So I wonder where we would have left off. Well, Mark, Mirkwood in the barrels. Yeah, uh, I don't think he could have gotten to Smaug in the first movie. But they no, would have gotten further. Than one, I think got. that's what it, where it would have cut off. It it would have been hard to do it to go that far in one movie. I feel like. Well, they, there was a lot of stuff they could have cut out. I mean, you in would my have definitely. 
Yeah, they could have well, they could have cut some oh, stuff yeah, and yeah. and gotten further. But I think they did a good job, and I'm I'm glad it's three movies just because I'm enjoying them. So three is better than two in the fact that I was going to go mm-hmm. see them anyway. But it's a fun world to but be. But there in. is there's a sacrifice being made there as far as the integrity of the story and the films, and wh- how far along you're going to be able to string a mainstream audience. Like they'll do it too because they enjoy trilogies too. But don't expect them to be massive curious. blockbusters. Like, don't expect – like, I'm I, I'm not surprised, you know, when they don't come back with a bunch of Oscars because these aren't Oscar films. These aren't Oscar-caliber stories that they're telling. Oh, they do it for the last film. They'll do it for the last film. Well, <laughs> well also, you know, with these kinds of movies, uh, you know, they did this with The Lord of the Rings. Is that the, the first two didn't get Oscars, and then they heaped Oscars on the two. But they the got movie. nominated, yeah. and they got some awards, yeah. but – I don't think you're going to see that because I just don't think this is a cash grab in a lot of ways and people know it. Oh, sure. And I don't mind it sure. because that's what movies are. You know, there's the... I am curious though to see what they to do with Radagast and what, and what they do with the Necromancer yeah. because it's one of the things that's not in the main story so they really can do whatever they like and it's giving I for me. I feel like they're going to be set up. because it makes it a little bit of extra... It's a little bit of extra stuff that I don't know where it's going to go. It's our chance of getting a sort of Lord of the Rings sequel because that stuff What's really doesn't surprise? play into the story you, of the hobbit very much it's if you watch just, a movie made off a book it's really rare to get something that's a surprise in the thing because you already know how it's going to go but we don't know what's going to happen to radagast yeah, what are they going to do in I, way, was, I was watching the hobbit and going that could actually kill him off because we don't know it's it's almost like a train wreck too though because there's a point where we're like what are they going to do with this like you know they've got something that they're going to like how are they going to do that it's, it's in in some ways it's like a creative writing exercise and in some ways it's just sort of it's just theater in that we just are interested to see what they crank out like it's not to see where the story is going to go because we know where the story was building to but now it's like like the debate over is the dragon going to be in the second movie and if so what's in the third movie but if the necromancer is in the second movie that doesn't make sense to me pacing wise it's like that would be blowing your wide a little early with you know at the tie-in where a big battle movie at the end would be the perfect time to tie in the Sauron thing because that would become the impetus in the films for, for the Battle of Five Armies, not just them fighting over, you know, the the treasure. But that would be the necromancer or whatever taking advantage of that situation to sort of roll in his army of goblins and then all of a sudden Aragorn pops up and Legolas probably comes back because <laughs> whatever, you know, you know that they're there. And somehow Gimli's already born in an adult. Who cares? Just bring them all back. It's fine. They'll be like the Lord girl. of the Rings. The third movie will just be the Lord of the Rings. I hope they don't do I that. I think they will. But I think that's what that third movie's going to be all about. I've, third movie's going to be I about everybody who hasn't a, had a chance to play yet. I could see maybe a Legolas signing, but that would be as far as I would. I think Legolas is for yeah. sure, and I'm certain that yeah. Eric Legolas is in the movie. Legolas yeah. has an action figure already. Mm-hmm. Well, we know he's in the second movie. We know he's in the Merc when when they get caught he's by the, be Wood in the Elves. Merc bit. But if they're going to do that, why not just go ahead and bring him back for the Battle of Five Armies? Because we know they're represented in that battle. So why not yeah, just do not? it? You've got that opportunity, and that's pure gold as far as the movie is concerned. Aragorn yeah, is age appropriate. Just go especially ahead and bring since, him in. Especially since he's turned out, you know, in, in the Lord of the Rings, he turned out to be such a huge ass. That's what I mean. In this, the, <laughs> you know? the centerpiece of that last movie is he's just awesome. going to be he's one like Errol So yeah. you've got to bring that. And if you get Aragorn back, then damn, it's just another Lord of the Rings movie. <laughs> so why not do that? 
And that's how they're going to make the third movie worthwhile because the big story is going to play out in the second movie. I, the, the biggest thing for them is to figure it, out how I to get creatures how... in because the, there'd be no creatures. There's so many creatures in the other two films. If that's, but then the necromancer could show up with anything. You could have an army of spiders, whatever. They, Battle of six armies. They, they might do away with Smaug at the end of it. It sounds like, I guess, based on the title, that's what they're going to do. That's what I feel like, yeah. Otherwise, I mean, how are we going to find the desolation of Smaug? I mean, I guess you could say well, we're otherwise leading Otherwise, it doesn't give us a good place him. to kill off Smaug. I mean, but, the end of the second movie is an ideal place to kill off a villain. Yeah, because I don't do see where you can't kill him the at the... Movie, well, it's so, kind of like weird. Well, yeah, you can't kill him at the end of the third movie because that's not how the story well, plays see, out. I, I guess, to me, it, it, it sort of feels like it would be a good cliffhanger place to end it. You know, if they if they get to the mountain, you know, and that's the, that's the end of the movie, too, is they are at the mountain. And so in the third movie... They go deal with Smaug, and then the middle... In the first act. You know, what do they do in the second huh? two acts of the film if we kill a dragon in act one? Act one, you it's kill the, the dragon out. Thing. Act two, you know, Thorin starts Fighting getting greedy and goes mad. Goblin. And the, Who cares? Hmm? I think it'll be anticlimactic if you already have a battle with a dragon in the first bit of the movie. That's what I think. I think that's where you kill your tension. And that's, then, well, you know, everyone's know, like, because, oh, what are they? Are they packing because up the Battle of the home? Five Armies, I mean, that's going to be like a major, you know, battle with thousands of soldiers in it. I mean, it's going to yeah, look cool. Yeah, but you cool. don't know that's coming. Well, story-wise, we, we know like, it's coming. Oh, we'll, see. well, they're not writing it, it for us. Well, they that's don't what, have that's to worry about us when they write it. Well, that's, but that's what I'm saying is, like, you know, why... If they kill Smile at the end of movie two, then what's the point in coming back for movie three? They don't know about the Battle of the Fire Well, armies, they'll probably... So. Oh, they'll give us something. They'll put a hints and suggestions, yeah, because it's like at the end of the first I movie, we the see the dragon's eye, so we know, oh, man, they're about to go after that dragon, just to remind us that that's going to happen. So by the end of the third movie, we'll know the eye of Sauron. And also, you can have Gandalf up. doing stuff, because that's one I'm, of the... I'm prepared to lay coin upon it, Gandalf is. <laughs> that's one of the points where Gandalf is running off doing something different. So you never know. We could end up with something that Gandalf does that's not even in the books. Yeah, I mean, like that's, what that's, they, that's what way this whole thing started out was where we were just going to make up a movie, but instead of just making up a whole extra story, they're injecting that story throughout The Hobbit. That was always something that bugged me about Gandalf in The Hobbit. So he takes off and comes oh, back I don't like you anymore. just in time to save bacon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because you're like, if he was with us the whole time, it'd be like, no movie. Yeah, we wouldn't be getting in these messes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, is that our, your argument or mine? It's like, know, maybe, maybe you need to get more self-sufficient. Why do I have to follow you around so you stay Why do out I have trouble? to do all the work? You're complaining hey, we're not even officially a member of the party. I mean, don't I have 14 now? Yeah, Gandalf's exactly. Why do we just need your friend to be our lucky number one? Hey, you just Gandalf stay. be the thief. Yeah, we have wizard <laughs> things to do. Have you seen... Gandalf seems to be going to disappear, and why can't he be the thief? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think Gandalf just goes somewhere and smokes out. That's probably. <laughs> uh, go I gotta, gotta take some me time. <laughs> I gotta talk about important things and important people about stuff, you know? Not all about mushrooms. This guy named uh, Toby. and uh... <laughs> go, go, go hang with Radagast. Talk about wizards. My wizard stuff. friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, you don't know them. They go to a different school, but they're, they're around. Yeah. They're cool. <laughs> Saruman's, a, Saruman's a little press, isn't he? Yeah, he's well, a bit funny in this one. Which is interesting because they, they in, the sec, in the Lord of the Rings, Gandalf is like, he's 
the head of my order, he's both wise and he's an old and dear friend. But he doesn't greet him like that in this movie. In The Hobbit, he greets him like he's a naughty schoolboy. You know what's funny about that? That goes back to what I was saying. It's like, we can't help it because we know that Saruman's going to be bad, so he's got to be just a little bit of a jerk already. Yeah. Yeah. They could have they could have done it. A brave, the braver choice would have been to make him a good and wise person. It would have made a much I, more interesting choice, yeah, because... Because that's where, because in the movies you never really understand why Gandalf is down with Saruman in the first place. It's like, oh, we got to go see Saruman. He's a very wise wizard, and he goes there, and Saruman's sort of a jerk, and then he turns well, bad what... immediately. And it's like, yeah, but it, you know, it's Christopher Lee for one thing, and for another thing, he's just he's been acting weird since you got here. Why are you surprised? And then like we go back like yeah. eighty years before, whatever the hell it is, like however long. When they should be friends. Be. And, yeah, when things should be a little bit more chill, and he's still kind of that way. It's like, well, how come you didn't see this coming? That guy's been on edge for like 100 years. But that's because I never have understood that. You are not allowed to go and help these wolves, didn't I? I I, I kind of wondered if maybe that was covered somewhere else in the book, somewhere about that Saruman was was their mentor or something. You know, these these wizards that are around. No, he was just the boss. He's the head of the order. Yeah, the white wizard, you know, he was supposed to be the good one. Well, yeah, but how did he get that job? Uh, Presumably from being a good guy at some point. No, 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 it it was because he turned up on time. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, At the white wizard appointing ceremony. Well, well, that's why I was asking in the the Cimmerillion. I've never read the Cimmerillion. If you stop talking, I'll tell you. Okay, go ahead. Um, In the the Cimmerillion, they actually have the scene where they're, because, you know, they're Mayan spirits. That's what the wizards are. They're actually pretty much angels put into human bodies. So they're Mayan spirits, and they're going, oh, we need to go. We need to send some people down to help the humans. And so they go, okay, we'll pick a bunch of people. Hey, we'll pick Gandalf. Wait, where's Gandalf gone? He wasn't there. He was late for the meeting. So they put in Saruman, and they said, well, Saruman can be the boss. And Gandalf wanders in late and goes, hey, guys, what's going on? And oh, we're sending a party down to Earth. I'll be part of that. And so that's why he wasn't the boss of the party, because he wasn't even there. <laughs> So but there were people who were like, well, we should one. send Gandalf. He's the smartest and the most wise of us. I don't think I need to read really, because it sounds too much like Phantom Menace to me. Some really is difficult <laughs> to get through because the stories are, I mean, There's a lot they're of all it. over the place. Is it kind of that book that ex- that explains everything? I don't, I don't no, need that. Well, it is. It's bits and pieces. It's not really. Only a little bit of it is about pieces, goes back as far as those guys. It's kind of neat as far as the yeah. sort of biblical allegory of explaining yeah it is more like a bible it's more like the new test the old testament really yeah so you see where the, the sort of original spirits are fighting the it original with demons the singing in up which of the we world. fall it starts where the world is created there's very little about the silmarine actually covers some of it actually does cover events that that lead straight up through the hobbit to the lord of the rings and stuff but most of it's like ancient history kind of stuff yeah Tale of Baron and Luthien and that sort of business. Oh, God, so many names. And they keep changing. And, and down through the ages. Two guys have the same name and all this. It's like, I don't, I don't know who any of these people are. I never know what it's you're talking hard. about when you're telling me a story. It's like, oh, aren't those two siblings? Oh, wait, they are. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, you read the, uh, what is it, Children of Hurin? There's actually a lot of, where they re- there's a lot of big them. epic tales in the Silmarillion that they could tease out into whole movies. Which they started themselves. trying to do. That's what Children of Hurin is, is they just sort of yeah. harvested this one story and beefed it up and said, I found yeah. this other book. It's like, that's not another book. That's Silmarillion. That's from the Silmarillion. <laughs> I can't really believe that they haven't done that properly with Baron and Luthien. I don't know. 
Because that's that's prime for that sort of thing. It's the best. Maybe they haven't gotten to it. There's a lot of funny stuff in Silmarillion too, where they're like fighting werewolves and things. It's like he plays with a lot of simpler archetypes in some of the stories. Yeah, there's there's lots of different stories. But, but and there's a, the history neat. of how things happen, like the first death and that sort of thing. First elf death. Oh, really? really yeah. Kind of it's neat, but it, and it was it's by thick. Choice. And it's not, it was never written as a story that was meant to be published, so it is just sort of a bunch no, of despair. It's, it's just his jotting. So it was sort of like his, his backstory. Yeah, notes, very, very complex. Yeah, exactly. Just notes. Yeah. Not like Lucas's backstory sort of notes, had... where it's like, like eight pages <laughs> on the Which are on, on the back of a bar napkin. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, it's neat stuff. This has been TV8 My Dinner. Don't forget to visit our forum at www.forum.tv8mydinner.com. Dog Crazy.